106.7 WTLC FM Greenwood, Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on. And at Around Indy. It's Open Lines Live. What's going on? From the Race Gilman Northeast Kia Studios on 106.7 WTLC. Good morning to you, Indianapolis, on this last Sunday of October 2023. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from the 106.7 WTLC and Hot 100.9 Studios on October 29th. Uh, the first day that really starts to feel like fall, and it is the last weekend before we set our clocks back. So fall is here. I love this time of year because you can just leave out of the house and throw on anything. Throw on any kind of sweats, hoodies, jeans, and you look good. That's exactly what happened today. Welcome to fall. On the show today, we will talk about something that happens in the fall. It is Onyx Fest. How you can go support black playwrights, directors, actors here in Indianapolis this fall season for the big shows that are coming up at multiple different locations. We'll have the details on who is playing where and, of course, why you should be there. Later in the show, we will talk about something that has continued to make headlines multiple times this week, and that is the number of officer-involved shootings that have happened in Indianapolis not only this week, but for the past three months. Two officer-involved shootings this week. That's 10 since August. That number has caused members of the concerned clergy to once again call for the resignation of IMPD Chief Randall Taylor, who, as you all know, if you've listened to this show, says he has no intention to resign. He told us that straight up. He has no intention to resign. Yet they are calling for it again, and this time also for the Department of Justice to launch an investigation into the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department to figure out why this continues to happen. Well, this morning we will talk with a member of the concerned clergy. Reverend Antonio Alexander will join us around 8.30 to let us know what it is the organization is trying to accomplish, who they want to hear from, and what is motivating this. We will talk about that coming up at 8.30. The latest call now for the Department of Justice to investigate IMPD after just after two more officer-involved shootings this week. And all of them have different circumstances surrounding, but no less they have made headlines uh, at a high rate of speed. Speaking of headlines at a high rate of speed, we have some breaking news that we'll start the show with. From the Fox 59 newsroom this morning, nine people have been shot in Indianapolis and one of them has died after a party on Indy's northeast side. Police are investigating a total of nine people ages 16 to 22 who were shot overnight at a Halloween party. According to IMPD, officers say the incident happened around the 5100 block of 65th Street. When officers arrived, they heard gunshots and saw a large crowd of people fleeing from the area. Officers found at least nine victims with gunshot wounds. Police say one of the victims is a woman who died after the shooting. Police say all of the victims, again, are between the ages of 16 and 22 years old and are not in critical condition. Police say there was a large gathering of teenagers and young adults in the area when the gunfire broke out. Police say they detained several people at the scene and located multiple firearms. Investigators are still working to learn their involvement in the incident. This morning, IMPD is asking anyone that has information about this incident to contact IMPD. You can call them directly at the detective's office, 317-327-3475. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers. That number is 317-262-TIPS. Again, nine people shot in Indianapolis at one single location. One person is now dead. This after a party overnight. That does, in fact, meet the legal definition of a mass shooting. There has been a mass shooting in Indianapolis overnight. Again, nine people shot, one person dead. The people who have survived are not in critical condition. So that is good news. There'll be more on this story coming up today and tomorrow on Fox 59 Morning News, which you could probably bet your paycheck I'll be covering tomorrow morning starting at 4 a.m. More details on that right now at fox59.com. Now, as we start the show here on Open Lines on this Sunday morning, uh, 
talk about something a little bit happier, uh, and that is Onyx Fest. That is coming uh, to Indianapolis. That is here. We talked about this last year. They had a great uh, line of shows that were happening, and they are back for the fall session for fall of 2023. October and Onyx Fest go hand in hand. And so uh, as October comes to an end and so and November begins, there is more to do, uh, but this time inside where it is warm. To tell us about that, Vernon Williams is a playwright himself, but he's also the president of the Indianapolis Association of Black Journalists. He joins us on our live line right now. Vernon, good morning. Oh, wait, I'm on the wrong line. Hold on, Vernon. Now let's try. Vernon, good morning. Thanks, Kevin. It's it's great to be here, and um, you are indeed uh, Indy's news voice and oh. our media platform. So we appreciate this opportunity to share with your uh, faithful listening audience what's happening at Onyx Fest this fall. I'm very sorry to hear about the shooting, of course, as well as your second topic for uh, this program. But hopefully, in the midst of it all. Uh, there are things that people can do to take their minds off of the troubles and at the same time address them because unexpressed plays are not just really entertainment. Most of them have some subject matter that relates in a, a real way. I won't say serious because sometimes it's serious. You might have a comedy. You may have a romance. You may have a mystery. But it's always something that we can relate to as a people. Um, and that's the beauty of Onyx Fest. It's Indiana's first and still only black theater company um, festival in the entire state. You have a uh, long list of, of different options and locations of the plays. As you said, there's a plethora of some are serious material. Some is a comedy. It, it, it ranges all over. Tell us yeah. first when Onyx Fest begins and where the first set of shows will be. We're going to be holding plays two consecutive weekends, beginning Friday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Indy Friends Basile Theater. That's located on St. Clair, um, uh, just off college. And the second weekend, November 10th, 11th, and 12th, we're going to shift to the historic Christmas Attic High School Auditorium. Uh, so we're going to have it in two locations for the convenience of theater goers and to share uh, these plays with two distinct audiences. You've also got, uh, uh, then later in November, the show moves to a secondary location, right? Yeah, that, that would be Christmas Attic. Okay. Um, the, the Indie Friends is on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Christmas Attic is on the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Well, I won't make you do a full uh, full rundown of, of all of the shows that are scheduled because there there are several uh, mm-hmm. that will be playing starting on uh, what looks like from what I have right here, November 3rd, which shockingly is this week, uh, right. uh, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So you've got some things happening on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And yeah. then the following at Christmas Attics will be November 10th, 11th, and 12th. And on those days, it you've, we're looking at – uh, two shows one day, five shows one day, three shows yeah. another day. So it's jam-packed. Yeah, what we did was we tried to spread it out so people had options. Some people can only do things on the weekend because of their weekday work schedule. And for some people, it's the opposite. So every show is in a different time slot to allow people flexibility in terms of catching them. And um, this year, we, we have some very, very compelling um, uh, productions, Antigone uh, by Levi Frazier, a Memphis resident, is about a man who has to come to reconciliation with some family matters as he matures and ages in life. Uh, Five Moves of Anguishes by Josiah McCuston, local guy, uh, Indianapolis, and his play sort of takes on the mood of um, Langston Hughes, uh, August Wilson and uh, Neil Hurston, uh, Zora Neil Hurston, in terms of capturing, capturing the different moods of the black community. The Heart of a Man is going to be a, a nice, serious, but playful and comedic uh, play by Andre uh, Ori. It's about men talking about their 
uh, innermost uh, feelings on dating, marriage, uh, sexuality, uh, domestic violence, and other subjects. Right behind you by Deborah Patrick is uh, the Generations Play, where a family deals with the matriarch of the family pe- uh, being ill with COVID and reflecting on her life and how it has affected their lives. And then Babe is the story. Oh, you know how uh, pe- people used to say someone was just a housewife? Mm-hmm. Well, Babe is a story that tells an 82-year-old mother's reflection on how um, her role, her life, has been impactful immediately on her children and indirectly on so many others that she's had contact with and shown how important uh, people are in respect to the decisions that they make and the people that they help influence. Now, Vernon, I know you're a writer yourself, uh, and you've done some books. Did you do any plays this year or participate in any of the writing? You know, I did not do an Onyx Fest play. I did a play called The Rise and Deconstruction of Reconstruction. <laughs> little wordy, but it's um, post-Civil War, talking about that 12-year or so era during which blacks were elected to Congress from the South in huge numbers. Um, during which the states in the South were run uh, largely by uh, black politicians because after the war, got voting rights, okay? Now, they've, of course, gone back on a lot of that Cameron since then, but um, for that 12-year period, you had blacks at every level of state government in the deep South. Um, So I wrote that particular play, and, um, and I spent a lot of time preparing for a reprisal of the of the play, The Price of Progress, that we're taking to Purdue November 14th. Now, Vernon, you mentioned uh, a minute ago that, uh, you know, Onyx Fest is still the only black theater festival in Indiana. How rare um, is that when you compare to other states? Do other states have more uh, theater, black theater options than we do? I, I just want to know what makes, um, I'm trying to encourage folks to, why this one is so uh, important, because you can't really find this anywhere else in the state. That's a fantastic question. I'm going to tell you why. We've looked because we want to see who is doing similar work that we could sort of compare to, converse with. And we've looked even in densely black-populated areas in terms of there's a lot of black theater festivals, okay? Mm -hmm. But this particular one is associated with a major university, Indiana University, Indianapolis. And we look far and wide, and we haven't been able to find another one in the nation that has an affiliation that would be on that level. And, of course, the benefit of it being uh, affiliated with the university is both the support that we get and the fact that it, it offers a compelling platform for the university to engage with the community. So it's a, it's a two-way street. It's functional. It's entertainment, but it's functional. So in terms of the way we do it, haven't found another one in the country, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Vernon, tell folks how you can find uh, the, the tickets for Onyx Fest, which, again, first show begins this week uh, on November 3rd, 4th, and the 5th. Thank you. Um, you can go to Indie Friends, I-N-D-Y, F-R-I-N-G-E dot org, or you can go to OnyxFest, O-N-Y-X-F-E-S-T dot com. At either location, you can purchase tickets. And we're doing a couple of things different this year. We've implemented group sales. So if you're in a group of 10 or more, you get a 10% discount. And we've implemented um, complimentary tickets for schools. So if you have students in high school, that you want to bring to this because it's very important that we expose our young people to this part of our culture. Uh, we're going to work with you on, on getting them, them there. All right. Oh, that, and that's a good one. Give that information. If, if you've got a, for teachers who have uh, schools and, and students who, who might've just caught that, how can they get in touch with you? Cause that, that's a good one. All they got to do is go to onyxfest.com and go to uh, where you can leave a comment and indicate an interest, or you can reach me directly at V E A 
W-I-L-L at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. All right. Vernon Williams, uh, what, what what do we call you in this capacity? <laughs> well, I guess I'm the executive producer, but you but but you could just call me uh, the the one who the 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 work you know the one who has to do whatever nobody else would do. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, we we appreciate you getting up at 8 a.m. on a Sunday to start the week with us and let us know what you have going on at Onyx Fest. I know it's a lot of hard work putting all those shows together, and uh, and it needs to be seen. So, Vernon, thank you so much. And thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Take care. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Onyx Fest starting later this week. First shows uh, coming up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All right. Let's see. 818 here on this Sunday morning. Let's see. Do we want to take a commercial break or do we want to talk on the phone for a little bit? Um, okay. You know what? Let's let's talk on the phone for a little bit. Let's open the phone lines and then we'll take a commercial break as we transition into our next topic. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. We're going to do open lines for about 10 minutes and talk to you about whatever is on your mind. It not have to be the topics that we're going to talk about later in the show uh, because we have that coming up at 830. But right now, what's on your mind? What do the what does uh, the city need to know about? Uh, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? What do you want to share? Open lines. The floor is yours. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. Before we get to our next topic, let me remind you, early voting is open right now. Election Day is coming up on November 7th. Uh, hard to believe, but that is next week. But you can go vote today. Uh, and I think I might go vote today myself. You can go vote at the city county building. Um between now and November 6th, uh, the hours today at the city county building will be 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. today at the city county building. And then let me take a look at the next early votings. Oh, that's actually at all of the early voting locations starting today from 11 to 6. So uh, today, because it's a weekend, 11 to 6 uh, is your early voting window. And that also will be the same through November 3rd, 11 to 6. And so we are now in that phase. Go vote early. You don't have to wait until uh, to next Tuesday to do it. Uh, if you want to, knock yourself out. But if it makes it easier to, you know, after you're coming from church or you're running to Long's Bakery, whatever it is you're doing, hop right in the line at the city county building or at one of the voting centers uh, and just knock that thing on out. Uh, let me give you the details on exactly where all of the other locations are, and then we'll go to the phones, 317-239-1009. You can vote today at the Decatur Township Government Center, the Franklin Township Government Center, the Lawrence Township Schools Education and Community Center, the Perry Township Government Center, the Pike Library Branch, St. Luke's United Methodist Church, Thatcher Park Community Center, Warren Township Government Center, and again, the Indianapolis City County Building. So, that is a place to go vote today from 11 until 6 at every, at least in one location in every township in Indianapolis. So on every side of town, you shouldn't have to drive more than a few minutes to go vote starting today if you so wish. Uh, of course, you can find the nearest uh, voting center to you on vote.indy.gov. And what do you need to bring to uh, vote early? Uh, make sure you bring your valid photo ID. So that can be a driver's license. That can be a state ID. Bring that with you. Hop in line. As long as you registered to vote in time, uh, you're good to go. All right, let's go to the phones. It's time to vote. Uh, election day coming up. But what else is on your mind? Let's take a couple of minutes and do open lines before we hit our next topic. Uh, let's hit the phones. Caller on line two. Good morning. You've called open lines. You're on the air. Who's this? Howdy, Cameron. Just in case I miss out on the program, and by the way, uh, black people need to support their own art so it does not use as propaganda against the black community. Because when you get people like IU and other entities that are controlled by what your so-called enemies, the white people, are uh, funding, then that's when you get propaganda and, uh, and, and degrading of black people. That's what you get. Langston Hughes is a, a brilliant playwright. 
And I think he should be, his play should be acted out. If we have directors and producers that know how to produce them. But in any case, the concerned clergy, in case I miss them, Mm -hmm. ask Reverend Alexander, why has the concerned clergy not convened in over three years? And they're out there saying that they have a message from the, uh, uh, lay members and the executive boards, other concerned clergy making these, uh, decisions on how the actual uh, issues that they take up and condemn our support. They're doing nothing, Cameron, but hiding the money, him and uh, Pastor Green. They're taking the money and using it for their own purposes and then coming out with uh, ideas like the police chief needs to resign and doing nothing but poverty pimps. That wouldn't be so bad, but, uh, you know, on the Internet, they're debunking these poverty pimps that are out there selling race selling our kids into uh, situations where they're having their genitals mutilated and so forth, and they're going along with it because they're trying to hide the stuff that they're doing. All right, Just now like I'm going to stop you right there for time because Please. when have you ever not been able to get into the show? Well, not your show, not, but the concerned clergy does not let me on anymore since I asked them where our money and where our foundation money was well, going. You, as I, they go. Well, I tell you what, you what well, I ask will ask them that. I will. will you let, I will let you. You call back during that segment, and I will. Thank you, and I'll through. ask him to his face. Okay? All right, Thank all right. You, Thanks, Larry. Three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Let's go to caller on line one. When has Larry not ever been able to get through the show? He always <laughs> knows how to get through. Good morning. Who's this? How you doing, brother? I'm on seven. I know you pushed for time, so I'll be brief. We, you let us all through. We appreciate. We love you. First, I want to thank my brother from Gary Vernon Williams. Does a great job. People go on Gary or Chicago Crusader. Vernon has an expose of of what they went to Paris uh, in August. I think he got a nice. I think it's a three part expose about the art and the black influence in Paris. Oh, read it. Reading Vernon, you're a great dude. I'm proud of you being from home. Second, I want to pour our libations to the late Harry Porterfield, who just passed mm-hmm. uh, from Michigan but lived in the Ge- Miller region of Gary for years. I had journalism workshops taught by him. I wanted to go into journalism school, actually, because of Harry Porterfield, Max Robertson, Linda Yu, who I met. He brought to Gary uh, back in the day, Linda Yu mm-hmm. and others. So we want to lift up Harry Porterfield. Harry Porterfield is in the history books, people. He called WBBM to strike for 10 months after he first left them because he complained about the lack of black journalists. So black journalists are important. Chief Taylor and the DOJ comments that he made the last couple of days, he walked back a few of them yesterday. Larry, you, you're kind of out of touch with what's going on here. I've, we've done the research. There's no cities, not New York, not L.A., not Chicago, not Miami, not Houston, not Atlanta, that's got 13 people killed by cops since August the 1st. I agree with Pastor Green. Them. I think the DOJ needs to come in. There's, this is ridiculous. You shoot a man in a tree that's unarmed, you could have waited him out if you just use psychological perspectives. Okay, I'm not talking about people that's armed. Plus, I think they're using the armed stuff because there's no permit here in Indiana. I carry daily, and I have I travel to many states. Mm-hmm. I think they're using that, and I think they need to be investigated for maybe having some cop and uh, some KKK gangs. Third, I am disappointed with your colleague James Patterson the other day. He said he denounced a ceasefire in Israel. He sounded worse than Rush Limbaugh or Warhawk. James, you are out of touch with reality. The rest of the world has protested. You didn't see in Britain yesterday. They had every, they had all of downtown full in Britain. Look at the Jews in New York. The Jews here, even the Jewish people, rabbis, are speaking out against this genocide. Barack Obama wouldn't get uh, Osama bin Laden in Pakistan sleeping in the bed with his wife, and they didn't touch one person. Hamas is underground in tunnels. That carpet bombing is not doing them but killing civilians. No one wants to see this genocide. James Patterson, you should be better than that. You are out of touch. Tina did try to keep it balanced, but James was terrible. The rest of the world, you are out of touch with the world, brother, and I'm going to call you out on it just like that. If Larry can call people out, I'm going to call him out. Thank you, Cameron. All right. Thank you. I didn't hear what James had to say. I missed that one. Uh, 317-239-1009. I'm sure he'll uh, take the opportunity to respond on uh, on Tina's uh, next show. But I didn't hear that, so I don't know exactly uh, what he said. But obviously you did. All right. 317-239-1009. Let's jump one more call before we hit a break. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Brother Cameron. How you doing? I'm good, Reverend Phillips. You working the polls uh, this year? We, we appreciate you. And uh, 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 I'm encouraged everybody to get out and vote. Uh, 
uh, last week, Cameron, mm-hmm. I was trying to keep a nut away from the, my property. And uh, the police out here in Lawrence called me a boy. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I tell you, I believe Lawrence, Lawrence need to put down, they need transparency because they are racial. And out here, you got to have a double anointing out here on the east side, boy, east side. You got to have a double anointing, I'm telling you, because I'm telling you, that, that, that enemy, that enemy don't understand mm, what God trying to do. All right, uh, Reverend you Phillips. You can take that and believe it, but, but it's, it's a lot of people, and I feel sorry for them nine people uh, got killed. That's, 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 that's right. crazy. It's, it's crazy. All right. Thank you for the call. Take care of yourself. Thank you very much. And I'll see you around. All right. We'll give you some more updates on what he's. We'll see. We'll give you some more updates on what uh, Reverend Phillips was just talking about. A shooting here overnight uh, is actually a mass shooting. We'll give you the details on that coming up. That's the scene that IMPD would be on this morning. It unfortunately. Um, the scene of IMPD cop cars, the lights on in a neighborhood has been something that happens every day, but there have been several big instances with it happening multiple times this week after an officer-involved shooting. We'll tell you about the details on what happened and now why the concerned clergy is once again calling for IMPD Chief Randall Taylor to resign, and they're calling for the U.S. Department of Justice to come in and launch an investigation into why there are so many officer-involved shootings here in Indy. Details on all that coming up. Brandon, let's combine one big break. We'll do it all at one time. We'll come back with Reverend uh, Reverend Alexander when Open Lines continues on Hot 100.9 and 106.7 WTLC. Let's get back to open lines. Your eye on the community on 106.7 WTLC. Open Lines is Indy's favorite Sunday morning show. It's the show that brings you news about what's happening in Indy and around the world with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. And we're back with more open lines here on 106.7 WTLC and Hot 100.9 on this Sunday morning. Let me get you caught up on some breaking news that is happening across Indianapolis this morning. Nine people have been shot at a Halloween party here in Indianapolis Overnight, This is the major breaking news happening across Indianapolis. That shooting has left one person dead. This is after a Halloween party. This happened on the northeast side of Indianapolis in the 5100 block of East 65th Street. When officers arrived, they heard gunshots in the area and saw a large crowd of people fleeing the area. Officers found at least nine victims with gunshot wounds. Police say one of the victims is a woman who died after that shooting. Police say all of the victims are between the ages of 16 and 22 years old. Thankfully, they are not in critical condition. Police say there was a large gathering of teenagers and young adults in the area when that gunfire broke out. Police say they detained several people at the scene and have located multiple firearms. Investigators are still working to learn their involvement in the incident. This morning, they're asking anyone that has information on this to call them at the IMPD Detective's Office. Their number is 317-327-3475. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you can call Crime Stoppers, 317-262-TIPS. Again, nine people shot in Indianapolis at one location. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a mass shooting. Thankfully, the number of deaths is low, but obviously one family uh, has lost a person that we know is an adult woman after one person has died. Nine people shot, all of them between the ages of 16 and 22. 
That is the news happening in Indianapolis this morning. You'll know you'll see me covering that tomorrow morning on Fox 59. And if you want more, it's on fox59.com right now. That is a scene that IMPD is on this morning. They've been on several scenes this week. A couple of them have been officer-involved shootings. And because of the high number of officer-involved shootings that we've had in the past week, the past month, and the past three months, uh, the concerned clergy is calling on IMPD uh, to do an investigation, calling on the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington to come to Indianapolis and do an investigation on IMPD to figure out why there have been so many officer-involved shootings. I covered both of them this past week. I think I can tell you all the details without even looking at my notes because of how many times we've uh, gone over this. But you may remember on Monday, there was an officer-involved shooting on Monday. Both Russ McQuaid and I were at that scene. That was the situation where officers uh, were originally in the area for a person uh, for a shots fired call. When they got to the area, they found a car that was moving at a high rate of speed. That was suspicious to police officers. So they start, they tried to stop that vehicle. In the process of stopping that vehicle, there was a back and forth between the officers, but the driver decided to take off. The police did not start a actual chase. They just continued to look in the area for this car somewhere in the area of 25th and Andrew J. Brown in that vicinity. They found the car uh, a little bit later, at 25th and Columbia, the car had crashed into a fence of a house, uh, but there was no driver. So more officers arrived on the scene. They then found uh, the driver on the next block behind a house in a tree. That person who was in the tree was their suspect, um, who we later learned as a 35-year-old man who had family who lived right there in the area. Uh, but he had described... What police had described to me were some mental health uh, aspects that they were dealing with at the time, including when uh, the person told officers that they would have to shoot him. And uh, police told us that um, the person reached for toward their holster. Um, and that is when an officer fired their weapon. And they fell out of the tree. They were taken to the hospital in critical condition. They later died. Um, police were looking at last check when I left that scene. We're still looking for that gun. They had search warrants for the area. Um, I at this at this second, and I know somebody from IMPD is listening. If this portion of what I'm about to say has changed, send me a text. Um, there had been no gun that had been found when I left that scene. They were still looking. So at the time when I left that, that did not mean that there was no gun. That just means that they hadn't found it yet. Uh, so if there's an update on that uh, and, my, and our IMPD folks are listening, uh, shoot me a text um, to let me know if there's an update on that. But then uh, later in the week on Thursday night, there was another officer involved shooting, this time in the area of 21, 21st and Shadeland. Police were originally called over there for reports of uh, trespassing at a hotel. When they arrived there, officers had actually knew the person who they had got the call about. So when that person took off, they didn't go chasing them. They just hopped in the car and went over to the Burger King where that person went. When they got inside the Burger King, two officers and the suspect got into a scuffle and eventually they all fell to the ground. In that process, the suspect got a hold of the officer's first weapon, fired that weapon, grazing the officer in the leg. He did grab the officer's weapon. It was in their hand. They fired the shot. The officer luckily was only grazed. In that situation, the officer then grabbed their secondary weapon fired at least one shot at that suspect. This is inside the Burger King. And that suspect was hit but ran out of the Burger King where they were quickly met with more police officers. Uh, they were taken to the hospital. They, too, uh, later died at the hospital. All right, those are two very different instances of, um, of police shootings. You know, somebody even sent an email. Uh, you'd be surprised the number, or maybe you wouldn't, the number of emails and uh, tweets that I get uh, when we're covering these type of things. We got one that said, um, you know, we should we have to stop acting like these officer involved shootings are a bad thing. Um, they said, good job, officers. Um, and I get that on one hand, but I don't think even the officers. I mean, as many times we've interviewed them, none of them 
uh, celebrate when they have to fire their weapon. If there's an IMPD officer out there who wants to say different, you're welcome to call in. Um, I know you'll probably you'll have to keep your identity uh, hidden, but um, I don't think officers rejoice in having to fire their weapon. I do think they rejoice in being able to go home. We've heard that, uh, but that doesn't make an officer involved shooting a good thing or a bad thing. Obviously, somebody lost their life, so it's bad for their family. Officer had to fire their weapon. That's bad because they were in a bad situation. Um, and then nothing about it that happens after is good. There's no party. There's no celebration. There's nothing but red tape and investigation. So I, my father was a law enforcement officer. He was an um, air marshal after 9-11 for the United States Department of uh, Homeland Security, uh, one of the first black um, air marshals for the United States after 9-11, by the way. Uh, that job didn't exist before 9-11. So, uh, so that's where I get some of the knowledge of how officers feel about having to you know, fire their weapon because my dad worked in law enforcement. He's retired now. Uh, he's probably listening to the show down in Texas. Hi, Dad. Uh, but another email that I got uh, was from someone on Monday and told me that I, was, I sounded too skeptical of the situation. Uh, that's the one um, that had the person in the tree. And I'll tell you, when nothing about that made sense when they were giving us that information because uh, we there were just a lot of things that IMPD was, they weren't trying, I personally don't think that they were trying to hide information at that particular time, or do I now? It's just in that situation, they tell me something and then I have to say it back to you, and I'm usually pretty honest, or I'm like, I'm not clear on everything that has happened here. Not because I think they're lying, but because... There's still some clues and some pieces of the story that they aren't ready to divulge. And later that morning, they did come connect the dots. Because at the time, my question was, how did we get from a traffic stop to a person in a tree? Uh, and, and at the time, IMPD would only say that shots were fired. They weren't saying who got shot or who fired their weapon, who had a weapon. Uh, so for me, as I'm telling you, you know, I'm usually pretty honest. I'm like, there's still a couple pieces that we've got to figure out. All right. I was able to go on to that. Backstory, which, by the way, I told you all of that from memory. I think I memorized uh, the scripts that I did this week. Um, we were supposed to have representative, uh, a representative from the concerned clergy. Reverend Alexander was set to call in at 8.30. I called him, didn't get an answer. I've sent him a text. I haven't been able to hear back, so maybe he overslept. Uh, so we'll take the rest of this time to talk about this amongst ourselves. We will extend another invite for the concerned clergy to come back. And I've shot him a text that, Hey, if you do wake up and see this before nine o'clock, dial this number and jump on the show. Uh, but at this point and the last uh, quarter of the show, let's open up the phone lines and talk to you. Those are the facts of what happened this week. Um, again, they're calling for chief Randall Taylor to resign. You heard chief Taylor on this show say he has no plans to resign. Uh, now, he may e may reevaluate if he wants to continue uh, being chief for another four years if uh, Mayor Joe Hogshead is reelected. Um, and Jefferson Treve has not said what his future would be uh, with Chief Taylor at the top. Essentially, we'll cross those bridges when we get there. But right now, Chief Taylor says he ain't going nowhere unless God tells him to do something else. That's literally what he told us on the show. So. That's the facts. I'll stop talking. Let's talk to you. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. What are your thoughts? As I told Russ McQuaid, uh, when I was in Phoenix, I covered, it seemed like an officer-involved shooting at least once a week. And I wish I could go back. I can. But, I, I mean, we were in the double digits, you know, 20s, 30s of officer-involved shootings in a year. This past one has been the 14th officer-involved shooting. Uh, so I told Russ, I said, actually, this brings back memories where I was doing this every morning in Phoenix because, as they said out there, it was the wild, wild west. And Russ McQuaid, who you know has been on the air here for 35 years, and said, I've never seen anything like this. Um, so um, your thoughts, 317-239-1009. Definitely something that has not happened uh, too much here at home. There's only been two years where there was, I think, the top, I'll pull the numbers here in a second, but uh, we've never had more than 20 officer-involved shootings in the past uh, 10 years that we've been keeping records. Let's just set that standard. So this year of 14 is particularly high. 317-239-1009. Let's start with caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Greetings, Cameron. How are you today? Good, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Greetings to everybody. 
you know, Cameron, I came to, to, to understand that some of the things or some of the topics I may bring up may be a little too strong for folks who might not be ready for it yet. But first of all, um, we live in Indiana. This is the creation of, of where the KKK started. The fact that they're shooting people, um, you know, want to cover it up with mental this, mental that. But Chief Randall Taylor said something uh, in his last interview on Fox 59 uh, a couple of days ago. He used the word obey, obey officers. You know, as an adult, obey is a is a kind of a strong word, obey. Uh, they want to keep us in order. Um, some of the people that uh, are glad that police officers are shooting what they call them criminals. I don't understand how you become a criminal uh, driving a car or getting a traffic ticket or whatever. Uh, because most of these killings have been uh, uh, surrounded by uh, traffic incidences or uh, people not wanting to stop for the police and these types of things. Well, first of all, uh, the the uh, clergy that you had coming on this morning, I'm sure they heard Larry, and that's probably why they didn't come on this morning. And, of course, I was going to confront them with some other things. Uh, but in order, again, in order for us to sign in, uh, in our neighborhoods is going to, is going to have to, we're going to have to come together, guys. We're going to have to stop this, uh, being against each other. Uh, we're, we're not on the same page and we need to get on the same page. Um, and that's the only way we're going to find peace. And Randall Taylor, uh, has no power, uh, over, um, the, um, statues that they follow as far as their police officers go. So we have to talk to the people that need to change the rules so that these police officers wouldn't just randomly just shoot people because they're getting away with it. They actually getting away with murder and we're not charging them as a, as criminals. And once they cross that line, they should be treated as criminals. Well, I got to stop. I got to, I got to, I do have to correct you there because several of these officers have been charged uh, and, 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 and they've been charged. And in the most recent one, Eric Huxley, who was the officer who stomped on, uh, the man's face on Monument Circle. He's now a convicted uh, criminal. But I mean more like I mean I mean like immediate. I mean immediately, Cameron. I'm saying that if a person is driving a car and the police is chasing them, and then they stop and do whatever, and these people are unarmed or whatever, and they get shot and killed, then that officer they need to do something immediately. They not do. Two, I mean, five weeks later. What I mean, I, I mean, there's a process of finding the facts, and I get everybody wants immediacy but at the same time i mean they're they're immediately pulled off the street they're not um you know they're not still out driving and, and working and until something happens i mean they're gone and that that's why i said these from what from what officers told me nobody wants to deal with an officer involved shooting because now you can't even work you got to do all this work be before they you know you're found innocent or guilty so i mean to say that things don't happen immediately is incorrect um but i get everybody wants swift justice it's just never fast enough. So but I get you, you on that. You it, but you said it, and I and I didn't I didn't quite say it. But you you said it for me. That process needs to change is what is what I really want to say. Okay, that's that's different. That. that's different. That's different. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what I was trying to get to. I just didn't have the right wording. All right. Uh, but you said it for me, and right. yeah, the process needs to change. All right. Thank you for the call. So Appreciate you. Guys you. Have a great day. All uh, right. Hey, I, I'm getting a, uh, the lights flashing on line four, which is my guest line. I'm going to assume um, that this would be Reverend Alexander because few people have this number. Um, so it is 8.53. So we're almost at the end of the show, but let's uh, phone lines are, are hot too. Uh, let's do, let's bring in Reverend Alexander. Is it, Reverend Alexander, are you there? Hey, good morning, Cameron. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good morning. Doing fine, doing fine. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us in progress. We already got started on uh, this week's news. We've got a few minutes left in the show, so let's just jump right in. Thank you again for answering the call to, to come on the show. Tell us what the concerned clergy is trying to do. What What is it that they want from the Department of Justice and what they want from uh, Chief Taylor? Well, I think what uh, the concerned clergy would like to see is more transparency, as uh, your previous caller stated, uh, more, I would say, a deeper dive into the processes and how the uh, entire system is working. I think when, uh, and, and let me say this, Cameron, as well, 
what the concerned clergy is asking for is really not much different than what we're hearing from other folks. Um, our superintendent uh, for the Indiana State Police, Doug Carter, um, he has in his own way and words uh, mentioned that there needs to be some reform in Marion County in regards to the ju uh, judicial system as well as uh, he mentioned things such as the prosecutor's office and uh, you know, the, the judges and, and things of that like. And we've also even heard from our Fraternal Order of Police where they're placing, I would say, uh, some blame on uh, what's going on in the prosecutor's office and the concerned clergy and the Baptist Ministers Alliance led by Pastor David W. Green Sr. and uh, Pastor Moore um, have looked at this where they say they want more accountability from um, our police department. And when you look at that comparison in results, and I'll put it like this, you have some that are uh, saying the prosecutor's office needs to be held accountable, but the prosecutor's office has a pretty high rate of success when it comes to convictions, especially in the area of homicides. Uh, but when we look at our local law enforcement and we look at some of the success rates in regards to solvability, we don't see those same successes. So uh, what we need to really look at is an overall view, and that includes um, looking at our uh, Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department as well as even our Marion County Sheriff's Office. So when it comes to uh, Chief Taylor, he has said explicitly right here on this very show, he has no plans to resign. Um, and he, he has heard what the concerned clergy has, has to say. And he, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. He said he's not going anywhere. Uh, what is the concerned clergy's response to that? Because you guys, uh, again, have renewed that call for him to resign. Well, I can't say that there is an official response as of yet, uh, Cameron. However, um, that's understood. It's understood that um, he has said that uh, he's not going to resign, but um, the community still wants to have more transparency. And if um, the chief says that, you know, he's going to remain, then what the uh, clergy would ask for is, once again, there's more transparency. There's more, I would say, a tweaking of the processes where, uh, there are issues. There's more community involvement. Uh, but there's so much that needs to be looked at in lieu of if, uh, the, you know, whoever that chief is going to be, we would want the same thing. All right. Let me take a, a call real quick before we go. because We have folks who have been waiting for a while to talk. Uh, caller on. Uh oh. And I just hung up on Reverend Alexander. That was my bet. I didn't lock that in. Rev, call back. Uh, caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Whoops. Uh, this is Pierre uh, Cameron. Hey, Thank Pierre. you for taking my call. And here's the thing that I'm concerned about about this city. I'm getting a, We just had a case come back from the Seventh Circuit um, Court of Appeals in Chicago that I filed against the Marion County Election Board. It was Myla Eldridge, and now it's Kate uh, Sweeney Bell. Mm -hmm. And there's been no reporting on it whatsoever. And it deals with election fraud. And this is the thing. Whether you agree with me or not, whether you think, um, you know, whatever you think about Pierre, that's something that's public interest knowledge, and it should be reported to the people. But I'm, but the Indianapolis Star, the, Indi uh, the, the recorder, and the lawyer has not reported on that case, and it's sickening. So don't, you know, when people talk about deep state media and stuff like this um, and all of these um, – uh, uh, newspapers and everything being tied together, they're right. And I'm just getting sick and tired of the Indianapolis community, especially the black community, being kept in the dark on a lot of important issues. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Thank you. 317-239-1009. Uh, telling um, Reverend Alexander to call back real quick uh, just so I can get one more thing out of him so we can continue this conversation. That was totally my bad. Um, I hung up on him. Uh, 317. Well, no, here we go. No, let's go to line. Waiting for him to call back on four. Let's take line one real quick before we have to end the show. Caller on line one. Who's this? 
Cameron, 10 seconds. I forgot to mention that attorney Nathaniel Lee said mm-hmm. he's done over 100 police cases, silver attorney. Mm-hmm. He said the story the police normally puts out when they get in court, 90% of the time, that's not the story. So we got to stop buying what they're saying up front, and we got to wait till things hash out like Reverend Agazani is saying. Nathaniel Lee said this. You can quote him on it. Get him on if you don't believe me. Thanks for taking my call. All right, thanks. Uh, let me get this other call on three if uh, Reverend Alexander calls back. Hey, Reverend Alexander needs to bring in the reports, uh, financial reports, pursuant to the uh, bylaws of the concerned clergy. Every uh, half, they have to be presented to the body. They have not done that, and now he's getting rehearsed now. So the next time we speak to him, he should have that information readily available. But what him and Pastor Green are doing, they're making unauthorized appearances on behalf of the concerned clergy because the concerned clergy has not uh, convened over three years, and they're blaming it on COVID. I went into a room with the NAACP. They were meeting. They had elderly members. They were right back in action after one year. So uh, Reverend Alexander and Pastor Green need to come clean and ask what they've done with our foundation money. Uh, okay. Ask what they've done with the contributions and grants that they have received. You right. should have that information readily available, Cameron. All right. Thank you, Larry. We got a roll. So thank you. He, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we are... Our already short interview was was cut short uh, by my fat finger. Um, so, if if uh, Reverend Alexander is listening through your through your radio still or your folks around you, here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, I'm going to make a blanket call to members of the concerned clergy to come on this show and in depth answer some questions um, because I still have more questions. Um, about these calls and, you know, the calls for transparency we've had, uh, you know, they call for transparency. And as has happened on this show, I have then reached out to IMPD and chief Randall Taylor will make himself available on a Sunday morning to come talk to us on this show. And as y'all know, he answers whatever we throw at him. So I would like to ask the same of the concerned clergy. Now I understand it is Sunday morning and pastors have church, but if there is somebody on the board, Reverend Moore, Reverend Green, um, that can come on and spend some time with us between services. I don't know exactly what time your church services are, but, you know, hop on the phone with us or come by the station. I mean, we're at these are some some big calls. If we're calling always the Department of Justice, uh, we've got some more some more questions. Uh, So I, I get that there is church. But let's pick a a Sunday morning uh, coming up here soon where we can sit down and have this conversation. We can plan it out in advance. So if somebody needs to sub or leave early, come early, do what we need to do. Um, Let's do that because this is the second time we've tried to have this conversation. And each each time there is more and more and more. And don't get me wrong. They've done other media. They've been out on TV and whatnot, but um, doing some interviews. But let's make it. Let's make let's set an appointment. Because we're, we're saying on one hand, IMPD is not transparent enough. Um, and they do show up to this show at 8 a.m. on Sunday. So let's ask the same with the con- concerned clergy, because that's only fair to give them the same amount of time. I just want them to take the opportunity to do it. All right. Uh, we got a roll. Uh, we talked about a lot today here on the show. If you missed any portion of the show, you'll be able to go back wherever it is. You get your podcasts and come on and listen to whatever parts you missed if you Missed one of your favorite callers? Wanted to hear what Larry had to say today? Search Open Lines, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Just search Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. You can follow me on social media at Cameron Riddle on everything. And you can watch me tomorrow morning starting at 5 a.m. on CBS 4 and at 4 a.m. on Fox 59. Have a great Sunday. Go Colts.